leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity or Breaking LinkedIn. Breaking LinkedIn. <laughs> Breaking Into Cybersecurity in Hacker Valley Studio. Um, as you can see, it's only two of us here today. Day because our other other fellow podcast co-hosts are hard at work. There is a lot going on right now in the cybersecurity space, so they are working and making sure to keep their environment safe and keep us safe. So we are excited to be here with you this morning for a quickie yes. version uh, <laughs> of Breaking LinkedIn. So I am Renee Small. Many of you know me as a cybersecurity super recruiter. I have probably reached out to a ton of you in regards to reaching out in regards to um, opportunities, new opportunities. So I help people like Ron get into great uh, opportunities. And then I help people like Ron hire people into great opportunities. <laughs> so, uh, you know, helping on both sides. So Ron- so <laughs> Please introduce yourself. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, Ron Eddings, part of Hacker Valley Studio, co-host there. And when I'm not doing podcasting and whatnot, I'm uh, working as a security architect at Palo Alto Networks. Excellent. So Ron and I decided to chit-chat today about, what are we talking about today, Ron? We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, as always, but I guess we have to do it in a shorter amount of time with the web minutes that we have. Um, but we can talk about, uh, actually, we had a topic, right? We were talking about uh, cybersecurity hiring. Yep. Um, and we're going to make this one short because both Ron and I have to get into meetings soon, but we still want to jump on, even though our, our podcast co-hosts are busy doing what they do best, taking care of the, the networks and the, the, um, the various companies that they work in. But we want to talk a little bit about looking for talent during this time and cybersecurity professionals looking for work during this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we were just looking at a uh, a comment that you got last week. Well, actually, it was a few hours ago, uh, talking about you know the fact that there's a lot of newbies, but uh, leaders might not have the budget to hire. What's been your experience and perspective on that? Yeah, it has been. It's 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 really disturbing to me actually because. One of the reasons why we started breaking into cybersecurity is because we saw all of these people, mostly the ones who have either a cybersecurity master's, um, sometimes a bachelor's, very often a master's, um, certifications, and they're trying to break in. So they're doing everything that everyone told them to do to break into the industry, to get themselves together. And they do all this stuff, and then it's so difficult for them to break in. 
And, you know, Chris and I, and I know, well, Chris Fallon and I, and I know Ron and Chris Cochran are also probably getting bombarded as for people asking you to be their mentors and all these various things. And I say this often, it was just very, very shocking to me to see this, knowing that in the U.S. alone, there's 300,000 or so jobs. I think that was the number. Um, there has been overall, I think worldwide, 3 million or so open opportunities. So, you know, it's always been, it's very, very disturbing around this, um, around this point. And one of the directors just this morning posted a comment around, hey, you know, I have all of this work that can be done that would be great for a junior person, someone that you know, doesn't need to have a ton of experience, preferably not a ton of experience, because if you do have experience, you'll probably get bored doing the type of work that she was talking about. Um, And so it's, it's been actually one of the one, A, a pet peeve, and then two, and B, you know, an area of really real, a lot of focus for me personally and Chris um, to try to figure out how we can bridge that gap and how we can get more people into the field. So that came across. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, I I know for me, when I was first breaking into security and I love the fact that you and uh, Chris have so many nuggets from just so many people that have broken into security. Um, But when I was first breaking in, there was a completely different set of, requirements that I was looking for. And I think when I was getting into the field, I didn't have a lot of mentorship that would help me understand how to apply for the right position, how to build the kind of requirements for myself while also asking for uh, the right amount of compensation. I think that's where a lot of uh, individuals that are breaking in might go wrong is they are looking for opportunities that don't support a certain lifestyle or support the opportunity for them getting the the requirements that they want out of their position. Um, So I would love to hear your perspective on finding the right opportunity, especially when it deals with getting compensated fairly. Yeah. So it looks like Chris can join us. Awesome. Hello. Hello. So he's here. He's actually made it. Um, so just so you know, Chris, we only ha- we literally have 10 minutes because Ron has to rock after this. Um, but we so, Ron, your question was what people should be looking for in terms of comp. Uh, yeah. How do you what's the thought process on compensation in cybersecurity? I think a lot of individuals go into that process blind. We'd love to hear, like, what should people be thinking about when thinking about comp and cybersecurity? Yeah, I tell people all the time, anytime we're discussing compensation, the to to really just go to wherever one of my very first places to go or to send people is to Indeed. Um, and I love Indeed because, you know, you can put a job title in and you can see a range of what the typical ranges will be in that area. And at least you have a range. So if you see, you know, there's not many SOC analysts out there, but if you see like a SOC analyst or an information security analyst, and you see that in your in your city or in you know wherever you are, the range is seventy to eighty thousand, then you kind of know most of these roles. That's that's the, the the you know the compensation that will be paid for these opportunities, um, and then you can kind of 
you can gauge that. You can realize you can you can you have you're coming in now as an informed research person knowing what the market is likely bearing for that type of an opportunity. So, you know, my place, I'm I'm huge on just go to the data, go to where, mm -hmm. you know, you see the roles. If you're a security architect or if you are whatever role you're in, because obviously people, we're not all here working for free. <laughs> we want to earn a living. We want to continue to grow in the space, you know, and get and grow up. So, for the entry level people, look at the entry level roles, look at the years of experience they're asking for. And then when you see a, a, a number of roles that have kind of the same range, then you know that's your range. So your range could be 7 8, 70 to 80K. It could be, right. you know, depending on your locale, locality, it could be, you know, 100K it could be entry. It, it just really truly depends. Um, so that's where I typically send people when they're having compensation discussions. So that's somebody, that's awesome advice. Some of the places I use ones when I've been job searching in the past, in addition to Indeed, include like tons of feedback, Chris. Yeah. Sounds like uh, the cord might be on a power cord somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris will chime in in a second <laughs> because that is that was like <laughs> sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> we got some interesting Ron, comments is, going here. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead with them. Oh, I was gonna say there was uh, some comments from Romy saying Glassdoor is a great place to look. Yes. Um, Black Hills InfoSec they have some good in information and videos on job hunting. Uh, what what was the question you were gonna ask me? What has been your, you know, you've grown up in this space and you've been here for a while now. What has been your experience with looking for opportunities, understanding compensation and how you can make that, you know, how you've been successful doing that? I think you have to be a little ruthless with uh, just asking for it. Um, wh whatever it is that you feel as though you should be compensated at, give it a shot. Um, and hopefully it's not anything outrageous that, you know, Glassdoor and salary.com is already saying, hopefully your compensation needs are along those lines. But if they are greater, then I think it's all about kind of a negotiation process. There was a great book I read by a gentleman named Chris Voss, um, and it's all about negotiation. And he talks about strategies uh, for negotiating um, not only salary, because there's more than just payment uh, when it comes to getting a great job, but also negotiating the uh, availability of yourself and the autonomy. Um, I think that also goes into uh, how I look at compensation. So if, a, if the opportunities offer me a lot of autonomy, maybe I would look at you know uh, how much I ask for a bit differently. But I think understanding negotiation is vital to getting compensated fairly. I would agree with you on that, especially if, and, and people have to realize with, you know, where they stand in terms of negotiating. So if you're trying to break in, you just need an opportunity, you know, that's one, one area. Um, but when you know your skill set, and you know, you know, a dozen recruiters are reaching out to you begging <laughs> for you to entertain yep. their offers, like I have done. <laughs> and you know where you stand too. Um, so it is. It's definitely you know specifically with people breaking in. I, I would be a whole lot more flexible, um, especially as they as they're trying to break into the industry. But we all know that when you get to a point where you know what you're worth 
that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, definitely. Masters, uh, individuals with master's degree in cybersecurity. Um, I'm actually seeing quite a bit of demand for uh, junior members that have uh, specifically master's degree. I'm not sure about bachelor's, but I think even for the people breaking in, there's still a level, a level and a standard that you can hold yourself to when it comes to not just taking any opportunity. I think we talked about it a little bit. You should definitely jump on an opportunity. If you don't have anything else going on, maybe you can learn something new. But I think at the same time, you could also be a little strict in the job search to first target the the great opportunities. Yeah. There's some questions here that, that uh, you know, there's some mentorship questions coming around. Um uh, yeah. Romy says mentorship is, mentorship is still a problem. Um, and Mary, we got to bring you back, Mary. Yes. So she feels like it's an issue. And I'm going to put her comment up here. Um, Mary says she feels like it's an issue um, because most folks don't know how to cultivate that relationship. That relationship, mentees and mentors tend to go into it thinking it's a one-way discussion relationship. And but that doesn't always work. Changing the stigma is how that will change, I think. And um, Chris made a comment about that last week in regards to mentors and mentees and how much we can um, learn from mentees just in general. Um, and it, it being a really, truly a two way street for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for the the help there, Namdi. The The book that I was referring to about negotiation was called uh, Never Split the Difference. Oh, yeah. Namdi is um, he's my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read it, but he's told me about it a zillion times. Never split oh, the has difference. he? He's a big, yeah, he's a big fan. <laughs> it's an he's awesome a big book. fan of that book. Yes. Um, everyone's saying it. James Johnson is now saying Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. So <laughs> everyone everyone seems to know that book. So I got to put it on my my read list for for uh, soon <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for this year, for 2020. I, I've, I've listened to it on audiobooks. Is the audio better right now? It is. Perfect. Um, yeah, Never Split the Difference was a good book. In regards to um, pay, sorry, a little bit behind, um, payscale.com, um, Indeed, um, Glassdoors, and salary.com. I think between all those different sites, you can definitely get the salary information that you're looking for. Um, Ron, before you drop, do you see a a concern with having a master's degree for an entry level role versus a, a bachelor's degree. I I do see a little bit of a concern there. I think um, a master's degree is nothing to uh, you know look at as a small thing. It's something that you probably had to work hard for. You had to read a lot of books, and even if those books are a bit outdated, um, like some programs may be, uh, but there's still, you know, the foundation information in there. And I think all of that information, knowledge that you acquire over time, it does, it, it, it does weigh a bit heavier than just doing the fundamentals during your first gig. I think you've already done that in your university, hopefully. And you, when you get out, you can work on something a little bit more challenging rather than just the, the basics or the fundamentals, entry-level positions. Right. Right. So, Ron, we know we, we know you have to drop. 
because yeah. you wanted to be able to do another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Ron, for joining and being here again this week. Hopefully we get our buddy back. I don't know when Chris Cochran will be back with us, but he just shared some exciting news that he is has left Netflix It's uh, and he's moving into a new opportunity. So we're excited for, for him to get there yeah. and come back and talk about it. All right. I will leave you guys to it and can't wait to see everybody next Friday. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Thanks so, so, yeah, we can keep the conversation going. Chris, no Absolutely. feedback. Still feedback? Still got feedback, yeah. So, we're going to keep the conversation going. We're going to get us. See, Chris, he's always talking to me about my bad audio. And here we are. <laughs> So many people think mentors tutor. No, not by definition. They guide you. Tutors help you understand code and security. I hate to say it, but I've heard many almost I say people want them to do the work for them and it doesn't work that way. So, you know, once again, we just want people to be aware that when it comes to mentorship, it is a two-way street. You should be giving as a mentee to your mentor as much as you can possibly give um, and, and expecting the expectations to a mentor. I mean, you have to realize that I remember coaching a, a young lady a few years ago and she made a comment kind of the same, like, oh, mentorship is difficult and it's hard to get and find and what have you. Um, and I and I kind of had to switch the perspective. Put yourself in the shoes of the mentor that you're going after. You know, it's one of him or her is hundreds of you trying to break into the industry, trying to get their time. They have um, conflicting priorities that, you know, if they are a CISO or security leader in the middle of working, um, then and they are going to have a situation where there is, is oh, press the joint. Get you out of here. Yes, how's the audio? Chris, you there? Okay, that's better. So, as I was saying, they are going to, you know, when you when you're reaching out to mentors, and you're thinking about the expectations that to to be have to have of mentors, there are, you know, these people are if they're CISO or security security leader, even a security manager, even an individual contributor, you know, they have day jobs, they have families, they have a lot of different things. Obviously, yes, they want to give back, but, you know, they want it to, two things, to be a two-way street and to come in with your research and everything done. Like make the best use of the time with the individual because their time is so, so, so valuable. Um, CISOs are getting literally pulled in a thousand different directions, you know, from their boards, from their CEOs, breaches happening, like minute to minute, all these different things going on. And then, you know, their own uh, people that they're managing. So there's so many things happening. So, you know, we just want you to be aware of that when, it, when, when people talk about the mentor, mentor-mentee relationship. Uh, actually, that's one of the learning lessons that, um, my boss always instills in me when we have troubleshooting sessions is that he wants me to come to those sessions prepared with the problem, 
with the research and with the possible solutions so we could talk through it. And it's the same type of conversations that you want to have with your mentor. Um, sometimes you want to hear directly from them their thoughts and opinions, but if it's a problem that you have that you're looking to solve, you want to provide your point of view on that so that they can help you with your point of view. And maybe your point of view is correct, but at least showing that you have a point of view. Right. And that you've thought through, like the, the you know, the worst, the biggest waste, waste of somebody's time is coming to, you know, showing up with a problem with no solution. Yeah. You know, think through some scenarios like these people's time is so, so valuable um, that to just come and not have anything prepared, come and, and say, hey, this is where I am and have not fully thought through or have done some taking some steps to you know, resolve whatever particular problem that you're having. It's like, it's selfish. Like if you had to book an hour of this person's time, it could be hundreds of dollars, thousand, you know, potentially a thousand dollars an hour, you know, to be able to sit down and have a one hour or 30 minute one-on-one -on -one conversation with some of the leaders here. So they are providing their time. They are, they obviously want to give back, not to say that that's something that we, you know, obviously would be looking to do, but they want to give back. They want to do what they can to bring up the next person. Um, we just want the other, for the mentee to be thoughtful as well. Yep. So I know we're going to keep this short and sweet. Is there any questions out there? Um, Romy talks about the standard of living when it comes to compensation. Chris, we still hear feedback. Um, Romy made comments. Standard of living when it comes to compensation um, is needs to be considered. So, when negotiating San Fran versus Los Angeles or Vegas, and San Francisco, um, that is so true, and that's why I'm a firm believer in going to the website. So your glass door, your um, you know, your indeed, putting in your location, putting in the, the titles that you're looking for, and just really seeing what is out there and what companies are paying in those particular locations, knowing that the cost of living living is what it is. So Everyone, I hope everyone can hear me. I know that um, I know Chris has been breaking up, but I want to make sure that I am not breaking up. Uh, um, that you can hear me clearly. Um, it seems as though there is, um, and I'm getting it again. That I'm breaking up on audio. So, so I don't know. Twelve o'clock is getting. It's tricky. That's one of the reasons why we try to host this a little bit sooner, earlier, rather than later. So what we will do is, um, oh, Selena's in Minneapolis. Hey, Selena. Um, what we'll do is we'll cut this one short as, as we plan and as we had planned to do initially. Um, I think that there is some struggles with the audio today, and I want to make sure that we are not um, that we have all of this um, that you can hear us clearly. So, so you will speak to us all, you'll see us all next week and we will have a topic of discussion. And if there's something that you'd like us to discuss or bring up, please let us know, please 
drop it in the chat. Um, I'm so excited to see people from all over, Cedric from Dallas and Selena um, from Minneapolis and people from all over, Mary's in Vegas. So we are, as always, excited for everyone to be here. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.